On today's podcast, I have special guest, Tom Morris. Tom is a graduate of UNC Chapel Hill, where he was a Moorhead Kane scholar and holds a double PhD in philosophy and religious studies from Yale University. He has gone from being a popular professor at the University of Notre Dame, where he taught for 15 years, to serving as one of our most active public philosophers, publishing over 30 books, including national bestsellers, while bringing the wisdom of the ages to many of the world's most successful companies in over 1,200 public talks. He's the author of books like True Success, If Aristotle Ran General Motors, Philosophy for Dummies, If Harry Potter Ran General Electric, Socrates in Silicon Valley, The Oasis Within, and Plato's Lemonade Stand. Most recent books include The Everyday Patriot, The Silver Anniversary Edition of The Art of Achievement, and Stoicism for Dummies. Tom's work has been covered by television networks like ABC, NBC, and CNN, and in most major newspapers and magazines around the world, including The New York Times and The Economist. He's been described as the world's happiest philosopher. I can confirm that now after this episode. Be ready to be inspired. Have a listen. There's a voice deep inside every dad calling him to lead. Society, vices, inner demons, negative thoughts try to dampen and drown out that voice, but it never goes away. Your wife feels it, your children feel it, and your heart and soul feel it too. It's the voice that starts off as a whisper, but then becomes a calling. A calling to be the tip of the spear for your family. A calling to play all out and lead by example for your children. A calling to build a legacy that will go on for generations. A calling to be the warrior dad you were born to be. Dads, our children need us now more than ever. To be that beacon of hope, courage, positivity, and strength. It's time to rise as warrior dads together as a brotherhood. If you felt that twinge in your soul, it's time for the warrior dad experience. Welcome to the show. I am so, so pumped up, so excited to have Tom Morris on the show. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. Yeah, I am so excited to, to dive in. Wisdom and kids, stoicism and dads. First and foremost, you a fellow dad. What's the family dynamic look like? Oh, yeah. We uh, we we have two great uh, children already in their early 40s. That's amazing. You know, my wife and I have been married now for 49 years, known each other 50 years. And that's just, to me, kind of astonishing, you know, to add those numbers up. So uh, I came from a, a family where I was very influenced by my father. Okay. And I, I wouldn't be the person I am today without his uh, his role in my life. Awesome. So let's let's pull that thread, right? Your your dad, the influence. What what lessons learned? What what yeah. impact did he have? Share a little bit of that journey because I'm always well. He was the most he was the most amazing guy. He grew up on a farm outside Cameron, North Carolina, in eastern North Carolina, sort of in the middle of nowhere. And uh, he left the farm when he was 17 and went to Baltimore, Maryland, and went to the Martin Aircraft Company to apply for a job. And they said, what do you want to do? He said, everything. And they said, okay, nobody's ever said that. What do, what do you mean? He said, start me any place you need me. And as soon as I'm as good as anybody in that department, promote me to another department and keep repeating that. And they said, okay. So I don't know if he started in sheet metal or riveting or something, but he went through it. By the time he was 19 years old, he was in experimental design designing the new airplanes. And here's a guy with a high school education who grew up on a farm 
pretty much by himself in the woods, you know? And so he went and he, he, uh, when he was drafted into World War II, okay. Martin Aircraft wrote the uh, Department of War, which was, it was called at the time. And they said, uh, this kid knows more about airplane design than anybody in the country. You can't uh, draft him into the services. We need him here to build the new airplanes. And the War Department wrote back, nobody 19 years old knows that much. He's oh, wow. carrying a rifle in the South Pacific. So when he came back, after Second World War, he built some of the early radio stations throughout the Southeast uh, U.S., uh, small towns that never had a radio station. He designed them. He built them. He ran them. Uh, I grew up. He invented toys. He managed the radio station. He sold cars. He uh, started his own real estate company. Uh, I grew up in the early years before he got into real estate. There were some mm -hmm. years we really struggled. I grew up in an 800-square-foot rented house where there were about 50 books and they were all philosophy books that my dad was reading all the time. So it's kind of no surprise I'll become a philosopher because my childhood scribbles are in the backs of those books by Ralph Waldo Emerson and Plato and Aristotle and all the other greats, some of the Stoics, you know, like Marcus Aurelius. Mm -hmm. My dad would tuck me into bed at night and he was a busy guy during the day. Okay. But he always made sure to spend some time with me in the evening. And he took me into bed. He gave me some advice about life, some wisdom about life, how to relax, how to be calm. Um, one night he said to me, you know, uh, uh, Tommy, which is what he called me, he said, life is supposed to be a series of adventures. Hmm. The ones you've already been on and the one you're on now are preparing you for the next adventure, often in ways you can't even imagine. So whenever something new comes your way, never think, I'm not prepared for this. Think to yourself, everything I've done has prepared me for this new thing. And he would say things like, um, you should do whatever you love as long as you love it and as long as you think you have something to contribute. If okay. either of those things changes, you should make a change either in yourself or in your outer circumstances. I mean, can you imagine growing up with advice about life like this? It was just, it was astonishing. And when I started playing guitar as a 12 year old, and by the time I was 13, I was in bands, you know, and this was the, the big thing in America in the in the 60s. And uh, okay. my dad was would travel with the band. And no matter what broke, uh, he could fix it instantly. He could fix amplifiers, he could fix guitars. He was just one of these people who was, seemed to be good at everything. Um, he could do math in his head when he did the North Carolina real estate broker's license exam. He never used the paper they gave him to figure mortgages and, and uh, everything. He just, it was instant. He, he had this instant ability to do mathematics. In his, he, he would have been a great math professor if that had been his chosen lot in life. But he encouraged me early on when all my friends at college were asking the question about majoring in something. They would right. ask the question, what do I want to do the rest of my life? And I told my dad that. And he said, oh, that's not a question you have to ask. You only have to ask the question, what do I want to do next? He said, as long as, he said, the rest of your life is too big to take on when you're 20 years old or 18 years old, but you can take on what's next. You know, what do I want to do now? What do I want to do next? And then that will lead to whatever it leads to. And before you know it, you will live a satisfying life. But don't let yourself be scared by that question everybody else is asking. Isn't that great advice? I mean, amazing wisdom to be passed and shared with you at night and I mean, think about the foundation it laid for for you. Yeah, yeah. Published thirty books and and 
share philosophy with such a broader audience. And I, I you know. know, I know. And, and he encouraged every step of the way. I even wrote about him in a book called True Success. I had okay. done um, 11 academic books at that point for Oxford Press and Cornell University Press and all the high-end philosophy publishers. And I decided to write a book, bringing wisdom about real success in life to everybody and, and to write it the way I talked, not the way the academic philosophers write to each other. And right. I told a little bit of my dad's story in that book. And then I told some more of his story in a more recent book called The Art of Achievement. Because people mistake the sometimes trappings of success for what the essence of success is. The essence of success is never money or fame or power or status. The things that so many people seek, uh, the, sometimes those accompany success, but sometimes they don't. My wife is a very successful backyard gardener. Nobody pays her a penny for that, but she's great yeah. at it. She's a successful chef in the kitchen. Again, nobody pays her for that in our house, but she's great. No money, no fame, no status, celebrity, right? And so I learned from the great philosophers and I learned from my dad. Make your difference in the world. Discover your talents, develop those talents, and deploy them into the world for the good of other people as well as yourself. That's what I learned from my dad. And that's what I've learned to re had reinforced in the great philosophers. Um, and that's when you feel true success. That's when you feel deeply satisfying, sustainable success, when you're chasing the right things, not all the wrong things. And when you're chasing the right things, you're going to get enough of those other things that you may need as resources for the next step but you're never focused on the on on the wrong goals you're always focused on the right sort of mission hmm. the right sort of calling that's why i love your intro so much to the show we all have a calling yeah. and actually more than one because being a dad isn't just a biological thing as so many people think being we're not we're not just a prop in a sitcom of everyday life we we have a calling uh to do what we can like what my father did to pass on to the next generation, not just to that child or those children. I mean, I was one child. I was a, I was an only child. He wasn't just giving his wisdom to me. He was giving his wisdom. It ends up to thousands and maybe even millions of people by spending that time with this one little kid every evening. That's just an amazing thing, isn't it? It is. And I, I so many times I feel like we discount that ripple effect that we can have on the universe, right? Yeah. And and your story is so profound of your dad with you. And then how many other people have been reached through it, right? And and I think dads specifically need to lead into, you know, I love to say it takes one dad to change his family tree forever. And you yeah. can be that dad, yeah. right? That's so powerful. That's cool. So that ripple effect can can really last forever when yeah. you I mean, his father was a raging alcoholic and okay. he turned that around in his mm -hmm. own life. Uh, he wouldn't settle for that pattern. He decided to be the difference. You know, he decided to be the change. And any of us can can do that. Uh, and then, like you say, it's a pebble in the pond. You never know how far those ripples are going to go. Uh, we're all connected in so many deep ways. I hear from people all the time who've been affected by one of my talks or one of my books, and I didn't know they were in the audience or I didn't know they were going to buy that book. And sometimes it makes a huge difference. A, 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 a woman called me yesterday. Well, did, we did. We set up a Zoom call yesterday. Who's okay. a business professor at a, a good, really good university. She did, works with leaders. 
But now she has this new sense that she wants to bring wisdom to kids, to young kids, mm -hmm. uh, pre, uh, you know, preschoolers and, and elementary schoolers and young teens. And we had an hour and a half Zoom yesterday about bringing wisdom into young people's lives. She said, because we're never going to get out of our morass right now in the world unless we train little kids. She said, Tom, your book, If Aristotle Ran General Motors, with a business title in 1997, she said, I went to that book because I teach leadership, but then I found in that book, it wasn't just about business. It was about life and happiness and fulfillment and flourishing. It was about truth, beauty, goodness, unity. She said, we have to teach our kids the importance of truth and beauty and goodness and unity and how to recognize if a situation they're in does not respect those things. Or if somebody they're thinking about being friends with doesn't respect those things, they should move in a different direction. And in their own lives, they should evaluate their own conduct. Am I respecting truth? Am I respecting beauty, goodness, unity? It was a wonderful conversation. Just to know that a book I had written in 1997, well, for two years before that, mm -hmm. um, now brought this, this amazing professor into my life who wants me to help her bring wisdom to children. It, what a wonderful thing, you know. I mean, nearly 30 years ago, right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah, so right. amazingly powerful. So let, let's let's take the dad lens and dad frame for a second. If, yeah. if you're a dad listening to this podcast, you're fired up. I mean, I don't know how you can't be fired up by listening to Tom, right? And, and his passion and his energy. You hear his story of his dad. What's some things that dads can do to start to practice that wisdom, that stoicism yeah. themselves? But also, I love to, I, I say... When I talk to the dads that go through my experience, I, I talk to my sons, it's planting seeds for yeah. future growth. So what are some things dads can do and how can they start that process of paying it forward and changing their family tree? Well, one one friend of mine who's a, a coach to presidents of companies, he has uh, several children himself. And as a dad, he's learned that with his kids, as well as with the presidents of companies, are two things that really matter. He said that he used to work, coach these presidents, and they'd have all kinds of problems at home or at work, and the problems would be so different, and sometimes they'd be similar. And he was just chasing one problem after another, helping these folks solve it. And then he finally realized most of the problems came from two things, okay. a lack of self-awareness and a lack of self-management. You know, Socrates was the first to say, know yourself. That's the beginning of everything. If you want to make a difference as a, as a dad, know yourself, self-awareness, manage yourself well, self-management. Because if we, we teach by example, uh, even more than by words, words are very important. My father gave me words that have echoed in my head my entire life. But he also gave me an example mm -hmm. of a person who self-managed very well. I never saw my father uh, lose it in anger. I never saw my father lose it in despair. I never saw my dad unhinged from being a calm, reasonable person. Now, some of us, that that's a little bit more challenging right. because we're very passionate people, but we can still be self-aware if an emotion is rising in us, which is not healthy, is not useful. Uh, the Greeks had a principle, the Greek philosophers. I call it the functionality principle. They said okay. hardly anything in this world is intrinsically good or intrinsically bad. Most things, I mean, some things are intrinsically good, like the virtues, like honesty, like courage. Some mm -hmm. things are intrinsically bad, like the vices, like you know, dishonesty, for example, cowardice. But most things, their value consists in how we use them, how they function in our lives. So in, in showing our kids the way forward to wise living, 
to virtuous living. And, and the word virtue comes from Latin virtus, which just meant strength, power, okay. crown. The warrior dad, the dad who brings strength, who brings power, who brings prowess, well, that's the word virtue. So yeah. we're talking about wisdom and virtue here, and we're talking about self-management. Is this emotion useful for me right now? Is this expression of, of my emotion useful for me right now? If we as dads can engage in self-awareness and self-management, then we show our, our, our children that they can do the same. Um, and that's not something that tends to get talked about much in school or on the playground. Some coaches will talk about it if kids are in sports, right? But mm -hmm. But why should we wait for that, right? Try to educate our children as early on as possible in managing their emotions well, because so many of the problems in life come from a lack of self-awareness and a lack of self-management. If we can get that right, we can get on a solid path. No, I love that. And, and something that stuck out, and I wrote it down as you were talking through that, is when you're setting the example by what you're doing, and yeah. I would say, I'll, I see it a lot, there's being told something, but then the exact opposite is being done and you're out of congruency and yeah. kids pick that yeah. up in an instant and they're not going to listen to what you tell them. Yeah. They're going to follow your action. I mean, it's why Tom, I mean, a little over two years ago, I gave up alcohol because I wanted to set the example for my, at that point, mm -hmm. 13 and 11 year old sons. And I just recently had, you know, example where, where one of my sons was around it. And he said, nope, that's not me. I'm making the choice to go a different way, a different path. So, you know, that that congruency is so, so important. It, it really it really is. And I did a, a global event last week uh, for an organization called Classical Wisdom. The day focused mm -hmm. on Marcus Aurelius, emperor of Rome and Stoic philosopher. And people were wondering, why is Marcus Aurelius so popular today? His book that's often uh, called The Meditations, although mm -hmm. it was just his notes to himself. Right. And it wasn't meant for publication, but it's become a book that 2000 years later affects people's lives tremendously. We see Marcus struggle, not as a perfect man, not as a man who always gets it right. He is struggling with self-awareness and self-management. He is struggling with being a good example of the things he believes. And most of the time he succeeds. And he shows us, though, how to correct ourselves if we get it wrong, because he often gets it wrong, too, like we all do. And, yeah. and, and how to how to then face the next day uh, and do better. Uh, he would evaluate uh, his day every night. What have I learned today? You know, what, what can I use for tomorrow? And he would sometimes start his day with a little meditation. Look, here are the kind of obstacles I may face today. I need to be prepared for these things so they won't surprise me, so they won't get me off my, off my game. Mm -hmm. um, and he gives us this example of an imperfect person trying to become better. And that's one of the reasons I think He's so uh, attractive to people. He's not preaching from on high. He's struggling himself. And he gives us this view of philosophy. It's not just about information. It's about transformation. Uh, wisdom at its best is supposed to transform us. So I did a little book, a novel some years ago, a short novel that has had more young readers than I ever, ever thought. One um, girl came up to me in the gym one day and she said, look, uh, I got a copy of your book, The Oasis Within. And here's here's okay. what a bunch of people crossing the desert in Egypt Love in 1954. It. Yeah. Uh, she said, I got a copy of your book, The Oasis Within. It was so full of wisdom. She said, I have a friend who's 16, and his parents have been trying to set him on a better path for many years, but he mm -hmm. resists all the books they give him, self-help books, success books, personal growth books, because he thinks they're preaching to him. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and he, that is, is a, that makes him feel shame and that makes him put up barriers and he won't read those books. But I put the book in his house, just left it there lying around. And she said, two weeks later, he comes up to me and say, that book, the Oasis Within, that book is awesome. I read the whole thing. And she said, uh -huh. you know why? I said, why? The book is all about an uncle talking to his nephew, 13 year old nephew. The book is not aimed at the reader. The, the wisdom is going from the uncle to the nephew. So this kid who puts up defensive walls, he was not being confronted with a book talking at him. He was overhearing these conversations about wisdom and virtue. And he was like, oh, wow, that makes sense. Oh, man, I never thought of it that way before. And she said, you snuck up on him with wisdom and virtue. <laughs> I and love so it. Yeah, it, it's like Kierkegaard sometimes said, you got to be indirect in some communications because people, if you go at them directly, they're going to put up the wall. They're going to put up the defensive wall. They may sit there and listen to you, but they're not taking it in. They're not letting themselves be fertile soil for those seeds you're trying to, to plant. So sometimes if you go about it indirectly, and that's the power of modeling, that's the power of being an example of being behavior, because behavior is not a direct statement that is somehow critiquing somebody else. Behavior is just a possibility that you are showing uh, in the way forward in a person's life. And they can say, oh, I like the way dad does that. Okay, maybe I'll try that too. And that can be a very powerful form of, of learning. No, I love that one, Marcus Aurelius, right? That he was challenged. He was struggle. I mean, I literally shared two weeks ago with the warrior dad, class seven, that I'm coaching. I was challenged and struggle. I was off kilter. I gave, I was vulnerable. And they said, thank you for sharing. I said, listen, I'm still challenged with these same struggles. Nobody ever has it figured out. So that's number one. <laughs> number two is I had a dad struggling with getting through to his 11 year old son. Yeah. And I said, take him outside, go for a run, get out in nature and then share your journey. Don't tell him what to do. Share how this is impacting you. And I feel like that's a subtle kind of in the side door of the mind when you share the journey, because then they get curious about, wait, if that's doing this, yeah, maybe I should do this, right? Rather than, hey, this is what you need to do, right? Absolutely. My dad would take me on hikes and my friends, he was the only dad in the neighborhood who would take us on long hikes in the woods. And we were in Durham, North Carolina, but we felt like we were in the Amazon or in the Himalayas. We felt like we were going places no human beings had ever gone before. He made it exciting. He took us to ride go-karts at the go-kart track. He took us doing putt-putt golf. And so he was our, he, he, he was, he was, a friendly leader to all of us. And he, he gave us all these fun times. And so we were just all ears when it came to anything he wanted to share uh, about his life. And, you know, Marcus Aurelius himself had either, we're not sure about this historically, had either 13 or 14 children. Okay. So he was a, a dad many times over and he knew the opportunities and he knew uh, the challenges. He had a very difficult son, Commodus, who became emperor after Marcus. And, and he never quite had the success with Commodus that he had with some of his other children, but he was always trying. And, and that's, you know, I have a friend who, who likes to say the demand on us is not to be successful in life. The demand on us is to be faithful to what we think is right. So if you're faithful as a dad, if you're always there for your kids, if you're always trying, 
that's what counts the most. And you're not responsible for everybody responding equally well. You know, it, there's no guarantee about that, but you can do your part. And sometimes the response may come, but not right away. It might be 10 years later or 20 years later when things are fall together, when things are right, but you've done your part as the dad. Yeah, so true. I, I've got a friend who is divorced and his son has kind of closed him off and, and he'll come to me with questions about he doesn't even respond. I said, you're just planting seeds yeah. and love into the love memory bank. It could yeah. be 20, 10, 20 years. That's Eventually right. he's going to come back and say, thank you. And yeah. you just need to have the faith to continue to do that, right? Heroes have strength for two, like continue to show love even when it's not there. So I, I completely agree with you. So, so powerful. Yeah. yeah, you know, it, it's like the old uh, uh, familiar image of the farmer, right? Planting the seeds and going out to dig them up every day to make to see if they're if they're growing. No, you got to be patient. You got to wait. Patience is one of these things that. Uh, is hardest to learn, especially for those of us who like to make things happen, right? We mm. want things to happen right away so right. that we can, get that, uh, we can get that dopamine hit, right? We've got that instant confirmation. We did the right thing. You know, it, it paid off right away. But most of the really good things in life take time. And as they take time in those initial stages, you may not see any progress at all. Um, and yet you have to trust the process. If you're doing your best on your end of the process, you've got to trust the process. And that's that faithfulness. That's, that's faithfulness to your calling, that faithfulness to your role. In fact, the Stoics talked a lot about what people nowadays would call role ethics. That, okay. uh, yeah, there's an aspect of ethics that's absolutely universal. But there's another aspect of ethics that, you know, if you're the president of a company, you have obligations that a person who's not president of the company wouldn't have. Right. Um, if you're a dad or a mom, you have responsibilities that a, a person who's not had children, you know, won't have. You have role responsibilities. And to get to know the opportunities as well as the responsibilities of that role is a wonderful thing. The Stoics especially viewed our roles in family life as extremely important. The, mm -hmm. the role of children toward their parents, the role of parents toward their children, they understood that, that the home is the center of many concentric circles. Okay. Um, there was this um, early um, Stoic Roman philosopher, first or second century, Heracles, who, who said basically, and these are my words to convey his ideas, your mm -hmm. life can be mapped by many concentric circles. And the innermost circle is your own heart and mind. Get those in as good a shape as you possibly can. Then you can contribute best to the next circle out, which is your home. Get your home in as good a shape as possible. Then you can contribute to the next circle out, which is your neighborhood, your town, your state, your country, your world. But it all starts in those inner circles. And the point of strengthening any inner circle is to make a positive contribution to the next outer circles. So here's what we should do. We should always respect the outer circles. And when we're operating in an outer circle, like a city councilman might, uh, or a state legislator might, or a politician in Washington might, we're operating in those farther removed external circles. We should always act to support all the inner circles as much as we can. The cities, the towns, the neighborhoods, the families, the people. And, and it works in both ways. That's the way you get a healthy society. That's the way you get a healthy world. Get your heart and mind right, get your household right, and then you can make great contributions to your world. 
No, I love that. And I, I, another thing that you had talked about that I'll piggyback off of what you said there is when we make mistakes, next day mentality, next day, be a better version of yourself. That's yeah. getting up when you yeah. get knocked down and life is going to knock you down. And it's just getting up the next day and being a better version than you were yesterday. And when you have that mentality, it's amazing how you can step into that identity. You can step in that role and you can be that dad that leads your family. And there's no, no higher calling, calling than that. That's right. I mean, Seneca, the uh, Roman Stoic uh, lawyer and philosopher uh, once said, no, um, no fighter goes into the ring with supreme confidence until he has tasted the dirt of the floor under the assault of an opponent's fist, until he's felt the teeth rattle in his own head, until he's been knocked down, maybe even knocked out, but gets back up. So those times we fall short in life, those mistakes we make, and sometimes mistakes is even too mild a word. Sometimes we make disastrous mistakes, but I like to say at this point in my life, I'm 71 years old. I live perched high atop a mountain of my own mistakes from which point I can see far. I love that. Love it. Tom, it's been an amazing conversation. Where can people look you up? Where can they find you? Oh, I'd love for people to visit my website, tomvmorris.com. V is in Victor, my middle name. Uh, they can, on the about page, they can connect with me on social media. On about four, five social media a day, I'll post a little thought in the morning with a beautiful picture. It gets conversations going. We learn so much from each other. I would love your listeners, your viewers to come and join that conversation. They can read about my books there. They can uh, find out about what I'm doing. I, I, I always love to expand my circle into more great people that we're joining together the conversation that has gone on for thousands of years now about how to be our best and do our best and make this world the best it can be. Love it, Tom. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Jeff. It's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Dare to be uncommon. Love, lead, legacy. Create a legendary day. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Dad, the voice you hear, the whisper you just can't shake, the one calling you to unleash the warrior dad from within. It will never go away. It will always be there. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. It's waiting for you to get into the fight. It's waiting for you to chase your potential. It's waiting for you to lead. Lead yourself, your children, and your family. Your children are waiting, watching, and hoping. Hoping you act. Hoping you show them the way. Your legacy is on the line. The time is now. The time to rise as the warrior dad you were born to be. Dare to be uncommon. Love Lead Legacy, create a legendary day.